Hi there. Welcome to the Mind Ramp Podcast. I'm Michael C. Patterson. In this episode, I'm going to explain a new phrase I have come up with called hemispheric gelassenheit. Uh, the core idea I'm exploring in this Mind Over Muddle series is that we can unmuddle our minds by rebalancing the influence of our left and right hemispheres. We need to diminish the influence of our left hemisphere and amplify the influence of the right hemisphere. I think that hemispheric gelassenheit can help guide us down this path. As I hope is clear, this is a personal quest. I'm trying to figure this muddle out as I go along. I'm trying to cultivate greater peace of mind as I live out the last few years of my life. So many aspects of our lives spin out of control, but we should at least be capable of managing the workings of our minds. I have recently discovered two important concepts that, when merged, suggest a strategy for achieving greater clarity and equanimity. The first concept was initially proposed by the medieval Christian mystic Meister Eckhart and is captured by his term Gelassenheit, G-E-L-A-S-S-E-N-H-E-I-T, Gelassenheit which roughly means letting go-ness. The root word is lassen, L-A-S-S-E-N, which means to let go, to let something happen, to allow, or to leave something be. Eckhart used the word to describe his mystical approach to Catholic worship, which involved letting go of intellectual and scholarly approaches to finding God and replacing them with direct experience of the divine. He extricated himself from religious doctrine and adoration of written scriptures and opened himself to intuitive experience of the divine. Gelassenheit is a dynamic interplay between two forms of letting go, because a letting go of one thing automatically opens the door to the embrace of something else. To be creative, we must destroy an old concept to make room for something new. This is the aspect of the term that I find most useful in guiding my quest— the process of finding greater peace of mind as I age will involve not only a letting go, a release from destructive and often ageist mindsets, it'll also involve an opening up to and receptivity to healthier and more nurturing states of mind. I'm discovering, for example, that I need to let go of long-held allegiances to logic and rationality in order to make room in my mind for deeper spirituality and connectedness. A second strategy is actually a very broad and robust area of inquiry that I will refer to simply as the hemisphere hypothesis. Now, I've talked about this in previous podcasts. The hemisphere hypothesis puts flesh on the structural framework of Gelassenheit, pointing towards ways of relating to the world that need to be released, and also to mindsets that need to be cultivated and embraced. The key point of the hemispheric hypothesis is that the two hemispheres of our brain are semi-independent and think in very different ways. To manage our mind and achieve greater equanimity, therefore, 
We need to get our two hemispheres collaborating with each other rather than competing. The hemisphere hypothesis derives from the scholarly work of philosopher and polymath Ian McGilchrist. There are three important aspects of his hemispheric hypothesis that are critical to my quest for peace of mind. The first two offer a diagnosis of sorts about what ails us, and the third offers a kind of remedy. So the first point, as I mentioned, is that the two hemispheres of our brain offer radically different ways of experiencing life. In broad terms, I'll characterize our left hemisphere as our calculating brain. It breaks experience into little bits that can be examined, categorized, and ultimately used. Its primary impulses are to separate, represent, represent, and to exploit. Now, I'll call the right hemisphere our intuitive brain. It experiences life directly and accepts it as it is. The right hemisphere sees how all of life is integrated into a unified totality, or gestalt. Its primary impulses are to explore, to experience, and to integrate. So it's important to recognize that the bits and pieces of analysis and categorization done by the left hemisphere, they can be useful, but only if they are put into context and integrated with broader, more holistic systems of knowledge. And it's the right hemisphere that does that job of conceptualizing and embodying the grander systems of understanding, the big pictures, the, the fuller gestalts. This is why the left hemisphere is the assistant and the right hemisphere is the team leader. The left hemisphere has a myopic and highly focused viewpoint. The right hemisphere sees the full picture. The left hemisphere understands one piece of the jigsaw puzzle. The right hemisphere knows how all the individual pieces connect to form a coherent picture. Further, the right hemisphere is connected to direct experience and makes sure that the emerging picture that the left hemisphere is developing makes sense in terms of what we actually experience. The left hemisphere is divorced from direct experience and lives in worlds of its own invention, so it often comes up with ideas that are disastrously mistaken, ideas which lead to confusion, conflict, and suffering. The second key point is that, in spite of all these shortcomings, the left hemisphere ways of thinking have come to dominate Western culture, and right hemisphere modes have been pushed to the background. This imbalance of hemispheric influence muddles our minds, filling us with limited and distorted views of imagined realities that blind us to the clearer perspectives of direct, intuitive experience. The left hemisphere is that little voice in our head that tells us that we're inadequate, that we're failures, that no one loves us, that all of the problems of the world are caused by evil aliens from outer space. The right hemisphere knows better, or at least has a more nuanced view of things. Yes, of course we fail at times, everybody does, but we also have successes. We're not defined by single incidents. There are people who love and respect us. 
And those aliens from space? Well, direct experience shows us that they're really quite nice once you get to know them. Our left hemisphere believes that its single piece of the jigsaw puzzle is the key to the full picture. The left hemisphere is very clever at inventing stories to explain how its fragment of reality implies the full reality and that we have no need to pay attention at all to other pieces that have been assembled by the right hemisphere. So, points one and two are the diagnostic part. The two hemispheres of our brain have different roles and we get muddled when the left hemisphere takes over and convinces us that its limited and truncated view of reality is real. The third point suggests a remedy, a means of unmuddling our minds. We can regain our sanity and peace of mind by restoring a collaborative working relationship between the two hemispheres of our brain, with the right hemisphere in control. This begins to clarify the kind of thinking and mindsets that need to be released, and what kinds of mental frameworks need to be embraced and cultivated. As McGilchrist stresses, we need both hemispheres to reach the full potential of our minds, but their collaboration must be under the guidance of the right hemisphere, which is the hemisphere that is grounded in direct experience, it has the big picture, and it's committed to truth and honesty. So, combining the Gelassenheit process with the guidance of the hemisphere hypothesis, it provides us with a reasonable game plan for cultivating greater peace of mind. It's the Hemisphere Galassenheit strategy. In broad terms, the strategy is to release our mind from the virtual reality distortions of the left hemisphere as we open our minds to direct experience of real life as mediated by the right hemisphere. So how might we put the Hemisphere Galassenheit into action? Fortunately, there are a few simple, straightforward activities that rebalance hemispheric influence in favor of the right hemisphere. Aerobic exercise, for example, does the trick. When you hike or jog, swim, bike, or engage in any kind of continuous exertion, your left hemisphere tends to shut down so that your right hemisphere can focus on the body's interaction with the environment. Experiencing the awe of the natural world also brings right hemisphere sensibilities to center stage. Playfulness and creativity, listening to music, dancing, all quiet the left hemisphere and engage the right hemisphere. Alan Watts, who masterfully brought Eastern wisdom to Western audiences, quipped that, quote, we need to lose our minds to come to our senses, end quote. We need to lose our minds to come to our senses. We don't, of course, need to go mad. When Watts suggests losing our minds, I don't think he means losing our entire mind. When we look at these systems of enlightenment from a hemispheric perspective, they seem to suggest that the trick of finding peace of mind to awakening, to enlightenment, is to quiet the chatter of the left hemisphere, the chatter of the monkey mind, so that we can give full mindful attention to the right hemisphere's direct sensual engagement with real experience, with the way of things, the way things are. 
So stop living inside our rational brains and return to direct experience of life. There are also structured disciplines that are designed to practice the hemispheric Gelassenheit. Regular meditation practice, for example, trains the mind to let go of left hemisphere chatter and to ground ourselves in the direct experience of breathing or feeling our body, which engages the right hemisphere. Zen koans are training techniques designed to stimulate insight by, well, being inscrutable. To a question such as, what is the meaning of life, a Zen master might respond with the question, what is the sound of one hand clapping, or the statement, wash your rice bowl. The left hemisphere can't make sense of these koans using logic and literalism, and eventually the right hemisphere, which is more comfortable with ambiguity, takes over. The right hemisphere may then recognize that thinking about the meaning of life is a somewhat fruitless endeavor. The meaning of life is found in living life. You're already doing it. This is it. There also appear to be more dramatic and rapid-fire methods of achieving the hemispheric Gelassenheit. I believe, for example, that people who experience a so-called mystical experience are, in fact, suddenly thrust into a new state of consciousness, one devoid of left hemisphere distractions. Neuroanatomist Jill Bolte-Taylor, for example, suffered a left hemisphere stroke and for eight years lived exclusively through her right hemisphere. She says, quote, My consciousness shifted into a perception that I was at one with the universe. Since that time, I have come to understand how it is that we are capable of having a mystical or metaphysical experience relative to our brain anatomy. End quote. People who have spontaneous mystical experiences consistently report feeling a dissolution of self and a happy merging with some greater and grander conception of existence. Modern research into psychedelics is now making a mystical experience available to anyone who manages to arrange a guided trip on psilocybin or some other psychedelic drug. Serious researchers are reporting numerous medical and emotional benefits that regularly result from the use of psilocybin. These include the dissolution of self, and a profound sense of meaning and purpose brought about by unity with that something larger than ourselves. This sounds like a hemispheric Gelassenheit to me. The mystical experience of a psilocybin trip leaves people with a deep sense of calm, with peace of mind. Somehow, the psychedelics shift the balance of power between the hemispheres, dispelling the fragmented and confused vision of the left hemisphere, and replacing it with the holistic, unified vision of the right hemisphere. I'm convinced that the hemispheric Gelassenheit strategy can help individuals find greater peace of mind. And further, I believe the strategy could help us move society towards greater sanity and peace. The strategy would involve freeing ourselves from destructive left hemisphere approaches to political, economic, and social concerns and replacing them with kinder, more compassionate right hemisphere approaches. Easier said than done, of course. But the more we train ourselves to recognize when our left hemisphere is taking control and leading us astray, the easier it'll be to make the needed course corrections and put our right hemisphere modes of perception back in control. 
These new habits of mind will permeate not only our personal life, but will also influence our public behaviors and our social decisions. So, hemispheric gelassenheit. Gelassenheit is the letting go, the release from something that automatically makes room to open to something else. The hemisphere hypothesis instructs us that, in broad terms, we need to release ourselves from distorted concepts of ourself and of reality presented to us by our left hemisphere and open ourselves to direct experience of the interconnectedness of life as it is, as presented by the right hemisphere. And it turns out that this right hemisphere vision is pretty spectacular and awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and, and thank you for joining me on this journey of discovery. It's, it's nice to have the company. By the way, you can now support my work by opting to subscribe to the MindRap podcast. Totally optional, but if you find value in these podcasts, you can return the favor by subscribing. Just go to the MindRamp podcast website at mindramppodcast.buzzsprout.com. You can also get there from our website at www.mindramp.org, M-I-N-D-R-A-M-P-O-R-G. Okay, until next time, here's hoping you live long and live well. Well,